The Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group is an award-winning team with hundreds of successful transactions under their belt. Through their national network, the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group works hard to help families realize the dream of home ownership. As a community advocate, Cynthia Joyner is proud to be the presenting sponsor of Jazz in the Park. Huntsville. Mm. Jazz is pure human emotion shared with the world in real time. That would be my own personal definition. You know, it's the only art form in music that allows you to play off the cuff what is in your heart and in your mind in that very moment that you share with a listener that may not ever happen the same way again. That's why it's so special. Jazz. 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 Jazz with Kenny Anderson. From her 2011 debut album, crossing over to her number one Billboard charting 2019 album, Free to Be, Intervision Records label recording artist Kim Scott has impressed audiences across the globe in performances and on the airwaves. Known for her exceptional tone, intoxicating melodies, and flawless technique, she's one of the most sought-after flutists in both the classical and jazz fields. The contemporary jazz superstar has an ever-growing fan base garnered from her continued presence on the performance scene and from her visibility as radio host of the nationally syndicated two-hour jazz program, Kim Scott's Block Party Radio, which airs weekly across the world. She's had a fresh image and sound for today's contemporary jazz scene, and it's my honor to welcome to the Jazz with Kenny Anderson platform, Kim Scott. How you doing, Kim? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, and it's just great to be here with you today. It is great to have you in the house today, and I've been looking forward to talking to you for a long time now, so this is going to be, I'm sure, a fabulous conversation. Let's do first things first. Congratulations on Back Together Again, (laughs) chart-topping songs smoking up the charts. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm excited about that tune. You know, I I wrote that tune uh, when the pandemic was really fresh to us, probably three or four months in. I called up Greg Manning, the co-writer of the tune. He's a a fabulous pianist that lives in L.A. right now and just gave him the the idea. You know, I want to write a song right now where I'm in the feeling of people are missing their loved ones. You know, they they can't hug their parents. They can't visit their parents. And when this pandemic is over, we're going to all be so excited to be back together again. So <laughs> that, that's the premise of it. And I think that that Greg and I captured that that um, passion and excitement and longing for, you know, being together again. Well, it's got to be an interesting experience, too, as you said, we're right in the middle of this pandemic and you're having some great success on the charts. What has the COVID experience been like for you? And I know you have a personal experience with COVID as well. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. COVID. Oh, my goodness. You know, 
for so many people, you know, they were hurting during this time. They had family and friends who had the illness, maybe lost some family and friends. Um, I personally, my whole household caught COVID and we were quite sick for a while. Thank God we all made it through. But, you know, I have to say that this time was actually a blessing for my family. You know, I don't know if many people can say that. I, I hope that most people can. You know, having the amount of time to sit back and really reflect um, on what, how your life is going, what changes can you make, how can you grow during this time or help others during this time. You know, some of our greatest blessings have come during COVID as far as writing new music, uh, coming up with new business ventures. My husband started a, a, a new streaming show. I was able to, to write a lot of music for this new album that I'm releasing in February. Um, you know, I was able to do a lot of virtual concerts since a lot of my uh, festival dates had been postponed. So I was able to reach out in another platform to my fans and listeners. And I had not really done that kind of thing before. Um, so there was a lot of money made during COVID um, that we didn't expect, you know. Um, so I think it's just been it's just been a really interesting time to see tragedy and what's the other word? Tragedy and triumph. Yeah. You know, coexist. Um, you know, during the same time. So you're you're talking about what I've called the upside of COVID. What have we learned in this process? What advantages have we been able to seize as a consequence of this very, very challenging situation? And of course, you named a few, the family, the creativity, and more. And I'm hoping that as we move through this process, that truly we'll be able to take some of those things along with us. I'm sure you believe that as well. I do. I do indeed. <laughs> that's, that's great. Let's take it back a little bit because, um, and, and even before I do that, let me acknowledge something right here too while we're talking about COVID. You and I both lost a dear friend in the COVID pandemic on December 19th of 2020, uh, Bernard Lockhart. That was um, a big loss. The founder of Jazz in the Park, uh, Magic City Smooth Jazz, just a true giant in terms of his desire to offer this gift to as many people as possible through jazz concerts that were free, through music education opportunities, uh, something that he thought a lot about. What was, talk a little bit about Bernard and what he meant to you in terms of the relationship and what it means to have lost him to this industry. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that was, yeah, it was just an amazingly difficult thing to get that message. You know, I, I remember like yesterday what I was doing in fact, uh, we were at my son's basketball, high school basketball game, my husband and I, and Bernard's sister was there. And we had uh, talked to her earlier. Uh, my husband talked to her earlier and she was saying that, he, you know, Bernard's not having a good day. Um, but, you know, they were still hopeful. And halfway through the game, my husband and I look over to Bernard's sister and she looked at us and she just shook her head. And I lost it like right there in the middle of the game. Um, Bernard was a special kind of guy. You know, he was so passionate about his work in the arts. He was so passionate about helping artists who were trying to get into this, you know, this jazz arena 
Um, he believed in the underdog. <laughs> you know, he believed in the kid with a dream, you know, wanting to get out there and make good music and, and um, you know, share it with the world. He wanted to give them the, the stage to help build that career. Um, my personal testament with Bernard, um, his jazz series was the very first jazz concert I ever played. It was before I had a record. It was before I even decided to go into jazz. I literally, he, it was, he had started the uh, Magic City Smooth Jazz in the Park series. I said, that sounds like a great idea. I'm gonna grab my, my friend who is a harpist. You know, we have a duo, we can do some jazz standards. You know, I grabbed a bass player and a, and a drummer and we came up with our program and it changed my life. Wow. Because at that concert is where I was discovered by the headliner that day who then said, you need to be doing this. Mm. And I now want you to start opening up for my concerts. And I mm. thought, I don't even have a show. Mm. I don't have, <laughs> I'd have to come up with other music, you know, and from there, it just, continue to spiral into this beautiful, um, you know, jazz career that, that people see now. But, you know, like I said, Bernard just had so much passion and belief in people. He wanted to see everybody succeed. If, you know, if they had the work ethic and the vision and they presented it to him, he was going to help you see it come to fruition. So between that and just watching him, what he did with the business in Birmingham and then how it just morphed and started traveling to Huntsville and to Montgomery and to Tuscaloosa and seeing how much he put into giving back to the community. You know, he fought hard to write grants and, you know, get all the money it took to bring national talent to Alabama so so our people could be exposed, you know, and see what's out there in the world. You know, I just, I have so much respect for what he did and what he created. So it's left, just, I hope, I hope it continues in, in some light. Yeah, he's left such a powerful legacy and I'm just so honored to have known him, to have been inspired by him. And of course, Jazz in the Park Huntsville is part of his legacy as well. And we hope to be able to move that forward in a positive way as well. Kim, I just said a moment ago, I wanted to take us back. Everybody has a beginning. Everybody has a foundation. Your foundation began at a home with musicians and music all the time. You're classically trained as well. Talk about those early days and the foundation that was established for you in order to become a musician. Sure, sure. Yes, I grew up in a household full of music. Uh, both my parents are musicians. Uh, my mother is a trained musician. She's a classical pianist. And she was a music educator in the Birmingham City Schools for over 30 years. My father, who worked for Bell South, uh, played saxophone. And in fact, before I was born, they were in a band called Dynamic Soul Machine. And they were on the Stax record label. Wow. Big time record label. So they, they were the real deal. You know, they were playing with uh, opening up for Lionel Richie and all those guys. Mm. Uh, but growing up, I was always exposed to all types of music because of them. And like I said, my mother loved classical music. So I was I remember vividly listening to vinyl recordings of the Boston Pops, of the New York Philharmonic. 
I was telling my husband the other day, I was like, I remember being like nine listening to the 58 minute Tchaikovsky sports symphony. And I was in heaven, you know, at home. And that was our world. We went to the class. We went to the symphony. We listened to jazz music in the home. We listened to pop and rock. So we were exposed to all types and even music of Africa and India because my mother was an educator and she was teaching, you know, world music in her classroom. So she made sure she instilled that in us as well. Um, so I started playing piano and violin when I was three and four and was introduced to flute when I was in the fifth grade. Um, fell in love. That was like, you know, this is what I have to do. I'm putting the violin and the flute down. <laughs> I love this. And, and I was one of those kids that that early on, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't even think about how I would make money or you know, money was not even a big deal when you're that age. You just want to play. And I set myself up and so did my parents to get the best music education at every school I went to. Elementary, middle. I went to a performing arts high school. You know, I took le private lessons. Um, I went to summer music camps in other states. You know, I spent summers in North Carolina um, at Brevard Music Center. Uh, because I knew I needed that kind of focus to do what I wanted to do. My dream was to be a classical flute soloist on the stage and to play with a symphony. Okay. Back then I had no idea I would be playing jazz and making records. Wow. Not wow. at all. Um, that came much later. Um, but I spent, um, you know, years developing that, went to undergrad at Alabama and Tuscaloosa um, on a music scholarship, majored in music performance, played in the symphonies, all of that. Uh, then I got a uh, an assistantship full ride at Oklahoma State to study performance and pedagogy of music. And I got that master's degree and was headed to get a doctorate when I got the phone call to interview at the Alabama School of Fine Arts. Ah, and the rest it's, is history. The rest is history. <laughs> You have followed in the footsteps of your mom in a lot of ways because you're a music educator now and you have a great passion for the same kinds of experiences that she shared through her career. Talk about why that is so critical and important, especially today as we work with young people and we try to harvest in them the creativity that we know exists in them. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's interesting you said that. I definitely followed in my mom's footsteps in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but you know what? Over the years growing up, especially, I saw how many lives she touched through the arts. And even the kids that didn't go into the arts, they have such an appreciation for it, you know, that they are often the ones seen at the concerts or seen giving back to music programs and, you know, always expressing their love for how music has changed their lives. And I, I, you know, I really wanted to continue to be impactful um, and not just by giving my soul through the music, which I do. I think I do naturally and I have to do that because it's given to me and I'm supposed to share it. But being able to share it uh, verbally with the next generation and make sure I put them in a place of recognizing the importance of music, the importance of music education and the arts um, to the community. You know, I just think that there's so much we can empower our young people with. 
through studying the arts. Kim Scott with Back Together Again on Jazz with Kenny Anderson. By the way, did you know that Kim has a radio show? It airs um, in over 30 markets across the world. So it's in about four or five stations in Alabama, uh, Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, Selma, Montgomery, Florence, Mobile. Um, It's also in North Carolina, Florida, New York, Boston, Texas, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Um, did I say New York? Uh, London. And yeah, so there's a, a page on my website. Um, there's with a link that says Block Party Radio. People can actually go there and there's a whole listing because there's a lot of terrestrial stations, but there are also quite a few internet stations as well. And I would love for people to check out the show. And now back to Kenny's interview with Kim Scott on Jazz with Kenny Anderson. I've been in education 21 years. And I've had the pleasure of seeing students just, you know, t- tackle their wildest dreams. You know, I have students playing with orchestras in New York. You know, I have students who 
have done more world travel than me, <laughs> you know? And there's a, there's a phrase um, that says, um, it is a poor student does not surpass his master. Ooh, ooh, very nice. And I share this with my students all the time. I say, you know what? I know you see Miss Strickland or Miss Scott and they, and, and you see me on all these stages and you see me all over social media. I said, but you know what? As your teacher, I want you to be better than that. I believe that you can do way more than I'm doing because you have an example right now and I'm helping you develop the work ethic. You have the desire and the passion, you know, and couple that with faith. You can take it to the top. (laughs) I love it. Listen, I am so inspired by what you're saying right now because I'm an educator as well. I don't know if you knew that, but I spent about 20 years uh, in the education system here in Huntsville Mm. as a classroom instructor of psychology. I became a chair and then a dean in the area of uh, humanities and fine arts. And so I was actually over the music program at Calhoun Community College, which is the largest two-year school in the state. I imagine that based on what you just told me about the student excelling and surpassing the instructor, number one, it takes a strong, confident, mature person to be able to have that experience. But one of the things that people often talk about in the education arena is having that student who comes back and says, Scott, because of what you allowed me to experience, I have experience what I've experienced. I've become what I've become and those kinds of things. Isn't that one of the most extraordinary experiences in the world? It is. There is nothing like it. There is nothing like the warmth you get from that phone call or that email from a student saying, you changed my life. Yes. You know, because of you, I dream way bigger than I ever thought I would. That's right. it's, It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's awesome and amazing. I love that. You you mentioned Symphony, Symphony a few times. Did you do a performance just this past weekend with the Symphony? Actually, it was yesterday. Yes. Yeah, I soloed with uh, the Tuscaloosa Symphony. I did uh, the Vivaldi Piccolo Concerto. How, tell and us about was, that. How did that go? It was amazing. It was so good to be back, number one. Um, I actually played with the Tuscaloosa Symphony. I've been playing with them for years. Um, but of course, when COVID hit, our season was debunked, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was not happening. So actually yesterday was the first time we'd ever gotten back together this year for a concert. And we did it outdoors in the park at Government Plaza in Tuscaloosa. It was very well attended. It was a beautiful day, uh, but it was great to, to have been given that platform. As I said earlier, I'm a sucker for, for symphonic music, for classical music. And, you know, to be able to be acknowledged in that way, you know, that people wanted to put me in front of the group as a, you know, to be presented. Um, you know, I don't, I don't take that lightly. I was really, really honored. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Yeah, and as you have that experience, which is a little bit of a transition, as we begin moving back into those live performances, um, talk about what you're looking at in terms of your own personal journey, things you're interested in doing, things that may be happening over the course of the coming year and into 2022. What's on the horizon for you? Well, right now the on the horizon is uh, putting out this new album. My fifth album comes out in February. Um, so Back Together Again is the lead single from that album. I have another single or two that are going to come out before the album in February, but I don't want to spoil it 
but no, it's going to be hot. Yeah, it will be, and it's going to bust the chart wide open once again. So we're excited for you already. I hope so. Thank you so much. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to um, all the dates I have coming up. So a lot of the tour dates that were postponed are going to be happening now, and I've got more dates being added on top of that. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing my fans. Yeah. I miss seeing their faces. There's so much energy you know, at the live show and you see people being inspired in real time and singing your lyrics and, you know, just being able to bring hope, you know, back, back to our community is one of the highlights. Um, you know, so that, that's really in a nutshell, spending more time with family. Of course, we're going into summer and uh, we'll have a little less restrictions than we have had. Right. So we'll try to get out and do some more things. Um, you know, more stuff with the radio show. We've just been picked up in London not too long ago. So our platform is continuing to to be widened. And um, so we've got, yeah, we've got a lot that we're looking forward to, for sure. My team is excited. Yeah, listen, there's a lot to be excited about, for sure. With all of these things going on, you've mentioned this several times. So I got to ask you about this. Family has to be one of the things that lays at the core of your foundation as well. Talk about balancing family, the touring, the writing, the recording, the performing, and then also engaging in basketball games and a, a family life and that type of thing. Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, I come from a big family on both sides, my, my mother and my father's side. And, uh, you know, family has always been at the core of what is important. What should you value the most? You know, these are the people that share your bloodline. These are the people who are going to be there for you when no one else is, when all the fans go away, you know. Um, So I'm really, really blessed to have a, a really strong family unit. You know, my husband and my children we try to spend a lot of time together. We try to champion each other and, and um, allow each other space to be creative and grow, but also be there to help in any way we can. So my husband and I work together a lot. He actually is my manager and we travel together, um, but he's also doing his own personal thing. And when I can help, I help him, you know, because I think we can go even further you know, when, when each other is supported and championed. And same thing with our son. Uh, we have a son that's in the ninth grade and he is, like I said, playing basketball. So we try to champion him there. We try to champion him academic, academically. He's in an IB program and it's very challenging. Um, we have twin boys who are adults now. They're 23 um, and they have their first job in Huntsville, as a matter of fact. Wow. So just helping them with adulting. You know, um, and supporting them. Um, But yeah, family is just so important to me. I don't think that we can be as successful or as happy in our careers if we don't have the love and support of family, because we'd be doing all this, you know, for a community that is is watching and that is wants to be present for us as fans and as listeners. But they don't come home with us. You know, they don't they don't pray with us at, you know, every day. Um, you know, when you wake up in the morning, they're not the first ones that are going to go. Let's have a great day. I love you. You know, those things are really important to me. So, yeah. And you made a great point there, too, because family is such a rock in our lives that when life gives us the high moments, they're there to celebrate with us. But when We have those low moments that are inevitable. 
they can be there with us as well. So that foundation is so very valuable and so very important. Uh, I've got to ask you about, um, in fact, let me, before I do that, let me mention the fact that the last time I actually saw Bernard in Birmingham was when he was announcing the Alabama Jazz Festival. And you may or may not recall, I met your son that night. And yeah. uh, you, you guys were there as a part of that and got a chance to meet him for the first time as well. I think we might even rode up an elevator together. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, a, that was a beautiful experience. Um, I got to ask you this because, um, you know, Jazz in a Park, once again, is a music festival. Uh, I think in many ways it's put Alabama on the map, which is significant, even though we do have the work that's been done a long time in places like Muscle Shoals and the Florence area. Um, Talk about the the impact that festivals like that have for the state in terms of bringing greater acknowledgement and recognition and opportunity for artists and fans. Um, You know, it's two-sided. I think for the community, it's huge because, again, like I said, they get to see national talent for free. Like they get to see the the upper echelon of jazz artists across the country in their own backyards for free um, and just be exposed to that, the magic of that. Um, I think that's a beautiful thing. And, and then also to be able to see local talent um, and be, you know, put in the mindset of, wow, this talent is right here in our own neighborhood and we get to celebrate them as well, you know, and watch their career grow. Um, On the other side, I've had so many experiences where I'm outside of Alabama, traveling the world, playing concerts, and there may be an artist in Connecticut that says, oh man, Alabama, I played that Magic City Smooth Jazz Festival with Bernard Lockhart and it I was treated so well and it was so organized and you know it was just so well done you know so people outside of Alabama know about Birmingham Alabama they know about Huntsville Alabama the in the music world specifically because of the culture the jazz programs that we put on um, through Magic City through you know Perfect Note um, through You know, there was talk, like you said, about the Alabama Jazz Festival or the Fourth Avenue Jazz Festival. You know, everybody out there outside of Alabama knows how much talent there is in Alabama and how much Alabama supports the arts. And that that's a beautiful thing. It is. And it also, I think, offers a tremendous amount of room for growth and uh, sustainability. It does. It does. Talk to me a little bit about jazz and pink. My Jazz and Pink Girls. You know, that is a group that I have really, really loved playing with. Of course, I love my own band. My my band is top notch. They're so supportive and so talented. But it's something different when you get on the stage with all girls, all women. And the, the empowerment you get and the sisterhood that you share while making music. Um... I've had the pleasure of playing with them now, oh goodness, I guess maybe six or seven years. Um, I was called by the head of the group um, just to say, you know, Althea Renee plays flute with us and she's amazing. We love her, but she's not 
um, able to play a lot with us at this time. And we've heard about you. We want to know if you will do a show with us and we can feel you out. And they felt me out. All right. I have to tell you this story. So the first show they happen to have been playing at the Fourth Avenue Jazz Festival in Birmingham. So it was prime opportunity. They said, meet us at our hotel for a rehearsal. Here are all the songs we're going to do. Great. So I'm excited. I'm practicing my tail off. You know, I get to the rehearsal and they're in the restaurant of the hotel. It's, it's Jazz and Pink. It's Norman Brown and his wife. And so I walk in and it's like them and Karen Briggs. And I'm like, okay. So I'm looking for instruments. Kenny, there were no instruments. Okay, wow. so I sit at this table and Gail Johnson, the band leader, goes, okay, guys, do you have your iPads out? Here, you got your scores open? We're going to run through the rehearsal. <laughs> we talked through and sang our parts. Wow. And there was a verbal cue. You're going to come right at this point. You're going to come at this point. Kim, you're going to solo right here. And I had never done that in my life. So wow. I really hit that stage with them with my flute for the first time in real time. And thank God they were pleased with it. <laughs> so they kept inviting me and I've been playing with them ever since. Um, but I'm proud of them. Karen Briggs um, on violin, Gail Johnson on keys, you know, Robin Bramlett on, on uh, double bass. Just very, very talented women who all support each other. We are all continuing to perform our own solo works as well. But we come together as a collective and it's just a really high energy group. I spoke to Jasmine Gent recently, Huntsville native, and one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Yes. And Jasmine talked a little bit about just her whole desire to nurture more females in terms of having access to this industry. I'm sure you probably think in similar kinds of ways. I do. And I just had actually had a conversation with Jasmine about this last week. She's a good, good friend of mine. And I, I like to mentor her a lot. Um, it's important because there are so few women visible in our genre, but there are so many women who are playing music and are excellent at what they do, but haven't been given the platform, haven't been given the empowerment that we can do this as well. You know, yes, you see a roster full of men for this jazz festival. That doesn't mean you can't break into that. You know, so we, we we are really trying to do our part to be an example for other women. Um, and when we have that mic, we are talking to the other women musicians about, you know, here are the steps to take in getting visibility. Here's how to market yourself. Here is how you have to stand out even more than you think you do just to get a fair opportunity. I mean, I, I hate to say it that way, but sometimes we have to work even harder you know, than our male counterparts in this. And uh, it's interesting. I, I started becoming a, a, a um, professor at the Athena Music Camp, Leadership Camp. It's a national camp for young female musicians. It's an international camp. Um, and I have conversations like this all the time with young girls and young women just to help them get into them. It, it's really a mindset. It really is. Because, you know, you, you, you don't see yourself out there, so you don't think you can be out there. And it's like, you know, we've got to tell girls, you got to see yourself there. You got to imagine yourself there and that you deserve a place there. And then you make a way to get there. And then it's great to have mentors like you and Jasmine to be able to encourage them and empower them 
and show them the way. Kim, I know you have a very strong social media presence. You've got an internet presence. Tell people how they can find you. Yes, I'm everywhere on social media. Um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. My handle is K Scott Flute. Of course, you could just type in Kim Scott and it should pop up. Um, also, my website is KimScottMusic.com. You can also follow me on Spotify. I have a Spotify channel and a Pandora station. So look me up there and hit the follow button and you can jam with me all day long. <laughs> it's not hard to find you at all, Kim Scott. <laughs> this has been an amazing opportunity to share this time with you. Thank you for your graciousness and thank you for an amazing interview. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it very much. Jazz with Kenny Anderson is a partnership with Jazz in the Park Huntsville and is produced by David Person for David Person Media, LLC. The theme music was written and produced by Kelvin Wooten. Damian Malone provides podcast platform management. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Jazz with Kenny Anderson. The Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group is an award-winning team with hundreds of successful transactions under their belt. Through their national network, the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group works hard to help families realize the dream of home ownership. As a community advocate, Cynthia Joyner is proud to be the presenting sponsor of Jazz in the Park. Huntsville.